Many of you have been here for, for a while and uh, you've heard Caleb uh, Worley as he shared here. This is his fifth time to come and uh, they're embarking on their fifth year uh, in their own ministry, traveling around the world, uh, really in Southeast Asia mainly. And uh, not just there now, God's opening up doors across the country where he's traveling uh, from church to church and doing things and sharing the word and, and, and leading people to change, leading people to Jesus and bringing the good news, not just to us, but around the world. About four years ago, he felt like and Sarah felt like it was time to, to, to leave victory and, and travel and live in Hong Kong, in Southeast Asia, in China there in Hong Kong. And they went for a, about a year with their, with their two children. You can do anything that God tells you to do with their two children, Isaac and Lizzie. And they, they, just, they just took off and uh, started anew with what God has. And how I many of you know, as you go forward, it's not like he shares and says, it's not deciding to go forward, it's going forward. And as they went forward, they began to see God's hand move and, and really open it up all kinds of doors. I think it sometimes maybe even amazes them at some of the, the audiences they end up with as far as important people and leaders of different situations. And God's really opened up a door in that place, really anointed him and his wife, Sarah. She's not able to be with us today. She's got those little guys at home taking care of them. But, you know, uh, we are really blessed to have Caleb Worley here. I'm excited to have him here, excited to call him a friend. But if you give him a warm welcome, please, as he comes this morning. Hello. Testing. All right, you guys doing good today? Well, it's good to be back here at Victory. You can be seated. Wow, it's awesome to have an 8.30 service. <laughs> Just by the time we finish, everybody wakes up. That's wonderful. You know, I think it's great. I know you're here just so you can get this out of the way, but it's all right. <sighs> you know, we have people that do that too back home, so no. I know, you're just the most eager, and you couldn't wait to come. Isn't that right? <laughs> And so I believe that God has a wonderful word for us this morning, and it's just a joy to be back here in Lafayette. Uh, as Pastor John said, Sarah's not able to be with me this weekend, but she sends her greetings. She's at home with the kids, and uh, she's praying for the services today. And uh, it's just wonderful to see how God is moving in different places uh, around the country and around the world. And I just think you guys have some wonderful pastors here. Can we give your pastors, Pastor John and Elizabeth, a hand for the job? Come on, give your pastor a better hand than that. <laughs> and of course, as always, Pastor Pam, can we give her a hand? If it wasn't for her, you wouldn't have a pastor named John. <laughs> it's always good to remember the source. And uh, I think you have so many wonderful leaders and servant volunteers uh, in so many capacities here at the church. Uh, we had a great time with the guys out at the Camp Tecumseh. Uh, we had a wonderful time out there uh, Friday night and Saturday just, uh, you know, encouraging them and just talking and fellowshipping together. And just to think that, you know, God could bring the men together to be encouraged and challenged. And then they could actually be equipped so that life is different. And so I want to encourage uh, all of you that were out there. And if you weren't out there, get the tapes of, or the CDs. We don't have tapes anymore, but get the CDs. If you still have tapes, we'll pray for you. But uh, <clears throat> get the CDs and you'll be encouraged as well. 
Uh, as uh, Pastor John said, you know, we get to travel to different places around the world. Just a couple, uh, about 10 days ago, I got back from a trip. Uh, we were in Southeast Asia again, ministering a pastor's conference in Myanmar, which is formerly known as Burma, a uh, closed country that's recently just uh, been opening up the last few years. And it's great to see, uh, you know, the different things that God is doing. We had about 250 pastors in the capital city for three days, just morning and afternoon, just teaching uh, myself and a couple of other missionaries and our Bible school director over there. And it's just wonderful to know that the word works in any culture. You know, the word works when we walk into a village in Cambodia here the first week of December, we go in and do a Christmas outreach. We'll go into these villages and, you know, you have these elderly ladies probably up in their 70s, 80s, and they've never even heard about Jesus. We walk into these villages and we give them some rice, we give the presents to the children, and then we say, you know what, why we're here? We tell them, we're here because of this holiday called Christmas. They say, what is Christmas? They don't know what Christmas is. They don't know who Christ is. And so then we tell them about Christmas by telling them about who Jesus is. And you know, every single time when I've gone, gone into one of those villages and I've shared the true message of who God is and how Jesus wants to, you know, reveal himself to them, they can have a connection with their creator. Every single time, people receive Jesus. I've never been in one of those places where they say, no, we don't want that. No matter what the religion is, the culture that they come from, they always just say, okay, if that's true, then I want that for my life. Do you know that the word works in any a geographic location, among any language? And why do I share that with you? Because if it works over there, then it still works in Lafayette. It still works in your business. It still works at the school that you go to or the place of your employment. It still works in your family as you're believing for different family members to follow Christ, it still works. But the problem is sometimes the people of God forget to work it. We think that, oh, well, it it didn't work on them that time. No, it still works. Just keep speaking it. Just keep believing it. Just keep, you know, pressing in. And you'll see those family members and those people that you've been reaching out to, you'll see them turn for the good. Amen? You believe that? All right. Well, uh, you know, I just believe that God has a word for us this morning in the time that we have. And I was thinking about this. Have you ever been in a place in life where it was difficult to continue? Maybe it was difficult to continue running after a dream. Maybe it was difficult to continue in a relationship. Maybe it was difficult to continue in a position or in a task that you're going after. How many of you have ever been in a place where it was just difficult to continue in some way? I think we've all been there at different times. And I want to start by reading a passage of Scripture out of Acts chapter 18. And this is the story of the Apostle Paul as he's traveling from one town of Athens in Greece to the next town of Corinth. And here we find the Apostle Paul. Now, he's a bit weary in his journey. Some would say he was at a crossroads in his ministry of figuring out whether he should continue and where he should go. And he didn't see the, the fruit or the success maybe that he thought he should see in Athens. We don't hear as much about the church in Athens as we hear about the church in Corinth. And so he was on his way from Athens to the town of Corinth. And starting in verse 9, it says, And the Lord spoke to Paul at night by vision. And he said these things to him, Don't be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack or hurt you, for I have many people in this city for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time that we have together this morning. I thank you for all these wonderful people that are here. I thank you, Lord, that over the next few moments that you would illuminate this passage of Scripture for our lives. I pray, Lord, that 
you would just give us some confirmation of the direction that we're heading in life and that you would just help us, Lord, that with your Holy Spirit so that we can accomplish and achieve all the things that you've set out for us to achieve. I pray right now, Lord, for every person here that may have cares or concerns, issues or questions, and I pray that they would be able to place those things aside over the next few moments, that as we look to you, that you will finish some things that you started in our lives. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Help us to leave different than we came. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You believe that? Yes, so we have this situation where the Lord had to speak to the Apostle Paul in a vision at night and encourage him to continue. How many of you ever ran cross-country? How many of you ever saw cross-country before? How many of you know what the Olympics is? Okay, so you've seen somebody run at something, right? I remember a time when I was running a cross-country race, and I was getting tired about halfway through. I saw the coaches over on the side, and I was ready to stop. I was ready to quit. I looked over my coach. I said, Coach, I can't keep going. I can't do it anymore. He looked at me and said, Son, you have to stay in the race. I said, Coach, you don't know how bad I feel. He said, I know exactly how you feel. Please don't tell your coach you don't know exactly how I feel. <laughs> the coach always knows. It's like telling your parents something like, you don't understand. Parents always understand. All right? He looked at me and I said, but I, I can't. And he just looked at me and said, son, stay in the race. And I just kept running a little bit more and I looked back. And about the time I was about to say something else, he said, you're about to get your second wind. And when he said that, something hit me on the inside. I said, okay, I'm going to keep running. And as I, uh, I kept running, and I was trying to complete that third lap. Somewhere in the middle of that third lap, the pain that I had in my legs, my arms, and my body, that pain suddenly started to leave, and I was experiencing the power of a second wind. Now I was running in this race, and I wasn't just thinking about whether I was going to finish. I was thinking about how I would pass some people along the way. And, you know, I was able to finish that race, and I thought about how that, that encouragement helped me to keep running in the race. And this morning, my encouragement for you is that God is giving you a second wind. He's given you a second wind in your family. He's given you a second wind in your marriage. He's given you a second wind in your finances. He's given you a second wind in vision of the things that he has spoken to you in your heart. He's given a second wind to this church. He's given a second wind to the leaders of this church because on the other side of you continuing, everybody say continuing. On the other side of you continuing is the completion of a course that God has destined for your life, for this place, and for this city. But we have to be the ones who get the word, receive it, and then keep running in the race. Everybody say, keep running. keep running. You know, sometimes we think, well, is it important for me to keep running? Yes. We just keep running in the race. And then God supernaturally, by his spirit, and through his grace and mercy that's available every single day, he empowers us, and he equips us, and he helps us in the areas where we need help to keep running in the race. How many of you heard about this guy, Matteo Mitchell, who ran in the Olympics recently, in the London Olympics? He was running in the 4 by uh, 400 relay. It was one of the preliminary races before the final round, and he was running one of the legs of that relay. And as he started to run earlier in the week, he had had some pain. He had hit his leg going up the stairs in the Olympic Village, and he had got it tested, and everybody said it's fine. So he starts running in the race. And how many of you know if you heard this story, halfway around the track, so 200 meters into the race as he's running as hard as he can to run one lap around this track, halfway in the, uh, in the middle of that race, suddenly he feels something snap in his leg. 
as he's running the race in the Olympics. And a thought comes into his head, I better stop. But then an overriding thought comes in and says, no, everybody is counting on you. And if you hear him tell the story, he'll say, I felt that snap for a moment and I twinged, but then I thought, I got to keep going. And he kept running another 200 meters on that leg. He didn't know at the time what the problem was, but he kept running as hard as he could. He finished, I think, in under 50 seconds, like 46 and a half seconds all the way around, which is fast. You would run it in about three and a half minutes, but uh, <laughs> no, you'd probably run it a little faster, maybe three. Um, <laughs> and he finishes running that. He hands off the baton. His team is able to run and finish in that heat so that they could go on and then run in the finals. And how many of you know that the, the, the men's team, they didn't win the gold, but they ended up winning the silver medal in the Olympics, and they would have never been able to make it to that final round and run that, that, that final race had that man not continued in his race. And after he finished and handed off that baton, they took him to the side, they went and got some x-rays to figure out what was wrong with his, his leg. And do you know what had happened halfway through the middle of that, uh, that race? His leg actually broke in half. You have two bones in the bottom part of your leg. He actually broke one of those bones in his leg and he ran the second half of that race with a broken leg. Now, you and I think, that's impossible. I know, but somehow he still did it. There was something on the inside of him that overrided the pain and overrided the thing that everybody else would have said is impossible. And here's the reality. Everybody would have understood had he stopped. I mean, the guy had a broken leg. Right? I mean, if you break your leg, you're not going to keep running, you know, a fast race around a track, but somehow he did it. And what that shows me is that sometimes, even though things have been difficult, sometimes things have been hard, sometimes things, you know, you don't understand everything, sometimes you can do more than you realize you can do. You can just keep pressing on, and you can continue in the race. Everybody say continue. Continue. You see, when you continue, it allows then the Spirit of God to give you the second wind that you need. Now, when I'm talking about a second wind, I'm talking about this. It says the definition of a second wind is to continue with renewed ability, with restored energy, and with reinvigorated strength. So all of us from time to time have situations or circumstances, people, responsibilities that may appear too difficult or hard, too mundane, too routine, or too unknown, maybe too challenging, but those things can often drain your life and your energy. But the reality is that God wants to give us a second wind so we can keep running in the race. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've had some difficulty. Maybe you feel like you've tripped up like that guy did on the stairs. And it feels like, you know what, I need to stop. I need to drop this. But the reality is you keep running in the race and you'll get your second wind. You believe that? You see, this is what I'm praying for you. I wrote this down. I'm praying that God is going to give you and he's going to give this church a second wind of his grace, a second wind of his strength, a second wind of his peace, a second wind of vision, direction, provision, resources, confidence, and boldness. How many of you think I could use some of that? Amen. You know, the Bible, if you look through the Bible, it's full of examples of men and women of faith who needed a second wind to face the unknown. A few of those examples, you think about Joseph, he faced a prison cell. Moses faced a Red Sea. Joshua faced a Jericho. Elijah faced 450 prophets of Baal. But all of them received a second wind 
from the Spirit of God. If you think about the second wind that they received, Joseph received a second wind of supernatural favor. Moses, a second wind of supernatural wisdom. Joshua, a second wind of supernatural vision. Elijah, a second wind of supernatural strategy. And I'm here on assignment this morning to let you know that we still serve a supernatural God. And this supernatural God will give you supernatural strength to run your race, to do the things that God has created you for and the things that he has destined for your life. Now, you may be going through a trying time, but folks, it is not time to quit trying. It is time to continue. It is time to keep believing, keep confessing, keep giving, keep loving, keep serving, keep doing the things that you know to do. Because on the other side of you continuing is a second wind that God has given you. In this story in Acts chapter 18, we find out that the Apostle Paul, as I said, he was leaving Athens and he was on his way to Corinth. If you read through his writings, you will see that he was, he was probably tired at this part in the journey. How do we know that? Well, naturally, if we look at the story of him walking, everybody say walking. Okay, so he didn't get in a plane, train, or an automobile of any sort. He got on his own two feet in those sandals, and he walked. You know how far the walk is? 53 miles. So he walked 53 miles from the town of Athens to the town of Corinth. So it would be easy to assume that he was probably tired in this journey. I mean, after two miles, I would have been tired. But here he is continuing on in the journey. So he was tired. He was fatigued. He was alone. We know that at this point in the journey, he had left some people in Athens. He was ready to meet some more people in Corinth, but he was traveling alone at this point in the journey. He was stressed. The Bible says in verse five, he was pressed in his spirit. He was also at the same time making tents to advance the gospel. So how many of you know he was probably feeling a bit unappreciated for the work that he was doing? Ever felt like that? Nobody understands what I put up with. Nobody understands the hard work that I do to raise these kids or serve in the church or deal with these people. Come on, guys. God understands. You're not the first one. You won't be the last one who's gone through some stuff, who deals with some opposition or has some great opportunity in the future. You say, how am I going to get to that thing? Well, God's going to help you. So that's what the Apostle Paul was going through. And think about this. He was frustrated because... If you read through the Bible and look through the history books, the ministry in Athens was not as successful as the ministry was going to be in Corinth. Now, he didn't know that. So he's leaving actually a place where he's a bit frustrated because the vision he had for Athens was not the reality. I mean, in Athens, the scripture says they called him a babbler. How many of you know you're not very successful when you leave a place and they say, yeah, there goes that babbler. Well, that was that guy talking about all that stuff, about this guy that can change our lives. Yeah, send him on down the road. So he's a bit frustrated probably leaving the city of Athens, known for its idolatry, on his way. Now get this, at that time the church in Corinth had not started. So it wasn't like, yay, hey, I'm going to that place, you know, where Jesus is and where all the people are excited about me coming. No, 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 no. He was leaving a place of idolatry, heading to a place of immorality. Corinth was known for immorality. So imagine it would be like him getting in a car and driving from Hollywood to Las Vegas. Which one? You know, like dealing with idolatry, dealing with immorality. Lord, are you sure you want me to go to this place and reach these people? And get this. If the Lord had to wake up and speak to the Apostle Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, Testament, then it's probably okay that he speaks to us once in a while and encourages us. 
Don't feel like, well, I'm not sure if, if that whole thing is for me. I don't really need that for my life. Look, guys, if he needed that and he was on course and he was doing missions and he was reaching out to people, then you and I probably need encouragement from time to time as well. And that's what we see the Lord encouraging the Apostle Paul so that he will then continue on in his journey. I love what verse 11 says here in Acts chapter 18 after the Lord gave him these, some promises here. And it says in verse 11, and he continued there. Isn't that something? Here he is in the journey, stressed, fatigued, thinking about what didn't happen that should have happened. The church in Athens we don't hear about. We hear about Antioch and Corinth and all this other stuff. He's leaving that place. And then he's sleeping. The Lord speaks to him at night in this vision, encourages him. And then it says what he got up. He got up and it says he continued. So he continued and he went on to that place and he was able to help start that church there and to see the impact then was happened from that church that continued on for so many years. You see, we need to understand that God is still the same, that he's still speaking, he's still guiding, he's still helping his people. So for you and I, we can be encouraged that God is helping us. And there's three promises from this passage that I just want to highlight today before we have a time of prayer. And there's three promises for the winded or for the weary or for those who need a second wind. How many of you could use a second wind in some area of your life? Maybe in your finances, you need a second wind. Maybe in your relationships, maybe in the dreams that are in your heart, you need a second wind. Well, the couple of promises that the Lord gave to the Apostle Paul, I believe, are the same promises that he's giving to us. In verse 10, we see the first promise. He says, for I am with you. The first promise that we need to remember is the promise of his presence. We have the promise that he is with us, that he will never leave us or forsake us, that God is with us. Psalms 118 and verse 6 says it this way. The Lord is on my side. Who's on your side? Five of you believe that. Okay. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? For the Lord is with me. What a great reminder that God is on our side. We know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We also recognize that it's not going to be by our might or our power, but it's going to come by his spirit. How can you in a service like this at 830 or 9 a.m. and Sunday morning in Lafayette, Indiana, how can you hear something and actually be changed in this type of a setting? It's not just because of a song and a place or a message. The only way that something can transform or happen in your life is by the Spirit of God, that His Spirit then will resonate on the inside of you so that then hope rises up, you feel Him working in your life, and you say, you know what, everything's going to be all right. You know what, I'm going to keep going. You know what, I'm going to continue. And it's in that determination that the Spirit gives you on the inside that you can then continue running after the things that God calls you to run after, and you experience the power of His grace. You experience the power of his second wind. We have to remember the things that God spoke to people in the Bible. He still speaks to us. So if he spoke to the apostle Paul and he said, Paul, I am with you, then we can wake up in the morning when we don't feel like going after the things of God or running after the people of God or serving God. We can wake up in the morning and we can say, you know what? God is with me. We, me and you, we have the promise of his presence. Just turn to the person next to you and say, I have his presence. You know, it's good to remember that when we're on the mountaintop or when we're in the valley, we still have his presence. We have his presence 
at all times. And I want to challenge you in the midst of your situations, allow his presence to strengthen you and to guide you. A key here is to make sure you're inviting and allowing his Holy Spirit to strengthen you. Make sure you're taking time to stop and allow him to strengthen you. I mean, he can be trying to strengthen you, but if you just try to ignore his leading and you try to ignore his promptings, then how can he ever refill you with what he wants to give you for the season of life that you might be in? You know, this is why worship is so vital for our lives. Worship helps you because the scripture says in Psalms 22 and verse 3 that the Lord actually inhabits the praises of his people. You know what that means? He actually comes and lives right in the midst of your situation when you worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. So worship helps us to bring the presence into the middle of our situation. So we know that he never leaves us or forsakes us. We know that the spirit is on the inside of us. But we also know that the spirit can actually be brought into the situation when we worship. So that's why worship is so vital, because then it helps us to see God moving in a tangible way. We have the promise of his presence. His presence is here this morning for you. Everybody say his presence. The second promise that we have here when he says in the same verse, in verse 10 of Acts chapter 18, he says, and no one will attack or hurt you. Everybody say, we have the promise of his protection. He said, no one will attack or hurt you. In other words, Paul, what are you so concerned about? Well, Lord, I just left idolatry and I'm on my way to immorality. I'm a bit concerned. What are they going to call me? They called me a babbler. What are they going to say about me? What are they going to think about me? How successful am I going to be? Well, am I going to even make it? Will the church even get started? Will God, will you really move in that place? Because I thought you were going to move then, but you didn't move the way I thought. So are you going to move in a greater way in the future? And God reminded him, he said, Paul, you have my presence. Paul, you have my protection. No one will attack or hurt you. I'm here to encourage you this morning as you're running the race of life, as you're raising your kids, as you're working in your job, as you're going after the things of God, you have the promise of his protection. And the promise of his protection gives you confidence that whenever you go into something or whenever you step out in faith in some area, you have the hand of almighty God on your side. You know, sometimes we think that we need some great new revelation. Some of you probably you know, think, oh, well, what's the next new, new revelation? But the reality is we don't just need a, a next new revelation. We just need to apply the old, timeless truths that still work. Something like his presence. Something like his protection. You know, when you understand his presence and when you understand his protection, then you can pretty much do anything. Because you know God is with you and you know he's protecting you. Then he gives you the confidence to run after the things that he is speaking. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. What is it? It's a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. So remember, as you run the race of life, you have divine protection as you run after his promise. So we have his presence. We have his protection. What do we see after that? We see God's plan. He said, for Paul, I have many people in this city waiting 
for you. So here he is speaking to him. He says, you have my presence. I'm with you. He says, you have my protection. No one will attack or hurt you. But then he says, for I have many people in the city for you. What was he trying to remind him of? He was reminding him of the plan. Why do you and I do the things that we do? Why do you show up at 8.30 for a church service? Why do you give the way that you give? Why, Why do you do some of the things that you do? Because you have the promise of His plan. Why are you going to continue on and receive your second win regardless of your age, background, or identity? Because you have the promise of His plan. And here's the reality. His plan always involves people. People are the plan of God. Teal Osborne used to always say this when he would come into our Bible school classes. He would say, people are our prize. Jesus died for people. God loves people. And he would say it over and over again. People are our prize. And what he was trying to get us to understand was that sometimes you can focus on so many things and you can forget the main purpose. The purpose and the plan of God for your life, for my life, it always involves people. It never involves just a place. It never involves just things. It always involves people. Just say people. You see, people are the reason Jesus came and people are the reason that we go. We go out to the areas of this city. We go out and support things around the world. Why would we do those kind of things? Because there are people waiting on the other side. And the Lord was speaking to the Apostle Paul as he is giving him this second wind. And he is saying, Paul, there are people waiting for you. Here's a question to think about. Why is it important for you to continue working where you work? Why is it important for you to continue serving where you serve? Why is it important for you to continue raising those kids, helping with those grandkids? Why is it important for you to continue giving? Why is it important for you to stay in that marriage? Why is it important for you to keep believing God for those things? Why is that important? Because there's some people. There's some people that are going to be affected. There's some people that are going to be reached on the other side of you continuing. Here's the good news. When you determine in your heart that you're going to continue, God has already determined in heaven that he's going to give you that second wind. He's going to give you that second wind so that you can keep running. And here's the good thing about running with the second wind. When you run with the second wind, you actually run faster than you did in the beginning. In the beginning, you think you're running pretty fast, but you really don't run with the endurance that you really have until you break through past that wall past that moment where you feel like, I can't do it anymore. And then you break through that wall, and it's like this sudden surge of strength and energy comes to you. That's what's happening for you and this church and for for your family, is you're going to get a sudden surge of strength and grace and new vision, and you're going to get the things that God has for you. But it's not like you run the same. You actually run harder and faster. You see more in the end than you saw in the beginning because the beginning was foundational times, but the end is actually the fruit time. So you, you go through with foundation, but then you walk into the place where you inherit the fruit. Remember the children of Israel? They had a foundational time where they were in Egypt, and then they were in the in the desert, and then that next generation of people were trained, and they actually were able to go in and inherit the fruit. They could have never inherited the fruit had they not come from a good foundation where they were told the fruit actually exists. You see, God gives us that second wind, and we can actually run faster and farther 
and see all that God has for us come to pass. Everybody say his plan. You know, I, I read a story not too long ago about these coal miners in the early 1900s. And they were over in the Pennsylvania area. And they were working in, in the mine, you know, mining coal, you know, day after day. But one of the days when they were working in the coal mine, there was an explosion and the entrance and the exit to the coal mine was blocked off. So here was this group of miners left inside of this cave trying to figure out how to get out. They only had enough provision for a few days. And so one of the men was journaling this story, and that's how we know the story today. And so as they were in there, they devised a plan, and they said, well, let's try to dig our way out of here. And so they couldn't go back the way that they came, so they started digging in another direction to see if they could make it out. Well, after a few days and the food ran out and a few more days when they just continued trying to dig their way out, as this guy was telling the story in this journal, they got to the place where they felt like it was hopeless. They got to the place where they felt like, you know what? We ran out of food, we ran out of water, nobody's come to get us, maybe we should just stop. And so what they did is they just stopped digging. And after a little while, all of those guys in that place passed away. A few days later, the rescue teams were able to break through the rubble and come in where that entrance was and find all of those guys and find this guy who was journaling this story about what was happening on the inside of this cave. And when they went in there and they saw these guys, they'd all passed away. And they, they saw the area where these guys were trying to dig their way out. One of the rescue workers walked over to that area where they were trying to dig and he just started pushing on the dirt just a little bit at a time. And in a matter of seconds, he pushed that dirt. And you know what happened? He broke through to the other side. And what those guys didn't realize was that if they would have just continued a little bit more, they would have broke through to the victory. They would have broke through to see their kids again. They would have broke through to live another day. But they determined in their heart it was over. They determined that, you know what, we better just stop. We have done enough. But how many of you know they could have done just a little bit more? They could have pressed through just a little bit, a few seconds more. But they said, you know what, it's hopeless. And sometimes that's what happens to us in our lives. We, we, we keep going and we keep doing what God says, but then we sometimes get to the place and say, you know what, maybe it's just not working. Maybe I should just stop that. Maybe I should just not try that anymore. But the reality is we just keep continuing. We just keep going. And then God gives us that second wind. Even when we say, it's impossible. That's not going to happen. I can't do that. I can't start that business. I can't raise that family. I can't love that woman anymore. Whatever it is, you just keep doing it. You just continue in it. And then you know what happens? There's a miracle on the other side. There's a breakthrough on the other side. There is the fulfillment of a promise on the other side when you continue and you remember the plan. You know, back in March, I was preaching back home at Victory, and I was preaching on Sunday morning, and as I, was, as I was preaching the message, I just had a scripture for somebody, and I read out this scripture out of Joshua, and I said, I don't know who this is for. I just read a scripture, and I just continued on in the message. At the end of the message, I was praying for people down at the front, and then this guy comes on down. He said, well, that was for me. I said, well, great. What was for you? He said, that scripture that you read. I said, which scripture was that? You know, I read a lot of scriptures. Sometimes I don't remember them all. And, and he said, that scripture in Joshua. I said, oh, yeah. I said, I don't know why I read that scripture. That wasn't in my notes. He said, well, I know why it was for me. I said, okay, that's great. Well, what's the story? He said, well, 
He said, I'm from Arkansas. He said, my dad is a pastor there. He said, I, I haven't really been following God. I have been running from God. And he said, yesterday I got in a fight with my family. I packed up all my things, put them in my car, and I just started to drive this direction. He said, I ended up at a truck stop here in Tulsa overnight, and so I stayed the night in my car here at this truck stop. He said, I got up early in the morning. I went to McDonald's to get something to eat. He said, I'm sitting in the McDonald's eating my Egg McMuffin or whatever. He said, as I'm sitting there, one of your church members walks over to me. How many of you know it's all right to go to McDonald's and witness? So as long as you're witnessing. If you're not witnessing, don't go to McDonald's, all right? It's not good for you. So he said, someone walked over to me, and they said, hey, would you like to come to church with me this morning? I thought, well, I didn't have anything better to do. I didn't know anybody. So I said, sure, I'll come to church. He said, I came to church this morning. And as he said, as you were up here and as you were reading, he said, what I remembered was, is that before I talked to that guy, he said, I was in my car before I went to that McDonald's and I I was crying. I said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know if you even have a plan for my life. And he said, and then God spoke a word to me and he said this. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He said, I heard my dad say that before, but somehow I was reminded of that this morning before I went to the McDonald's. And he said, and then as you were up here reading, he said, the scripture that you said was Joshua, where it said, I will never leave you or forsake you, right out of Joshua chapter 1. He said, and when you said that verse, something on the inside of me clicked, and then God reminded me, he said, see, I'm looking out for you. He said, I want you to pray for me. I don't have a job. I don't have a place to live. I really don't know what God wants to do. But I believe that here in this season for the next few months, however long it is, that God will restore things in my life. You know, I was able to pray for that guy right there in that moment. We're talking about a plan. The plan involves people. I was able to invite, uh, you know, pray with that guy right there. And you know what? A few months later when I was back at church and I was preaching again, this guy comes running up to me. He says, hey, do you remember me? I said, your name is Jamie. I remember you. He said, yeah, I'm the guy. I said, yeah, you're the guy. But what's the story now? He said, well, let me tell you the good news. He said, since I've been here, he said, from that day, he said, I now have a job. He said, I now have a place to live. And he said, in fact, I am now helping at your dream center on a regular basis, reach out to other people who are homeless in a situation similar to mine. We're talking about transformation in about three months. He said, I'm right with God. I'm talking to my dad. I'm here. I believe this is the season I'm here getting things changed around. And I thought, you know what? We never realize the people that are on the other side. You may be in the McDonald's tomorrow morning. You might be down at the Dairy Queen or over at the donut shop. But the reality is there are some people waiting. Don't go there too often. But there are some people waiting on the other side. Everybody say there's people. You see, the plan always involves people. But we have to be the ones that determine in our heart that we are going to continue. Everybody say continue. You see, my simple reminder for you today is that God has given you a second wind, a second wind to continue. And he's given you that second wind with these promises, the promise of his presence, the promise of his protection and the promise of his plan. So regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what you're facing, regardless of the dream or the visions that may be so far off in the future, I want to encourage you like the Lord encouraged the Apostle Paul as he was leaving one place going to the next place, that you will just continue in that race and that he'll give you a second wind. Some of you need a second wind in different areas of your life, but I can tell you that God will give it to you and it'll come by his spirit. You believe that today? Why don't we stand as we have a time of prayer? 
We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.